Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Starving Writers Guild Anime, Manga, and Comics Podcast. I'm your host, MC. It's excellent to have you back. And I am feeling better, thank God. Uh, <laughs> this last week was awful. I'm still recovering, uh, so you may hear me cough a little bit every now and then, clear my throat a bit, but for the most part, like whatever that was is gone. Uh, so th thank you for everyone who reached out for that. I was very appreciative. Uh, now, moving on from that, this is going to be a double comics episode since I missed so much time. I'm probably going to have to end up doing the same thing next week uh, when I <clears throat> for the next two weeks of comics after these that I'm t discussing today. It's just how things are going. Uh, that may change. It depends on my schedule next week. Uh, th thank God for all this snow. It's just been so wonderful. And not having to go to work in the midst of being sick was you know and not having to take sick days off because of the snow was amazing <laughs> so that's it about all of that uh, we'll move on uh to what have i been watching recently well i saw the latest scream film and i am a huge fan of the scream series uh see i first saw scream the first one in college i think uh might have even been high school and was blown away by it you know as it's you know deconstruction slash reconstruction of the slasher genre and i did a scream well technically scream five but they're calling it scream because you know who cares at this point in time <laughs> i thought it was fitting uh hopefully as an end to the series <laughs> Uh, I mean, but Hollywood's going to Hollywood and milk everything for as much as it's worth. <clears throat> uh, so I got to say, I mean, uh, spoilers real quick for Scream 5 and 3, 2, 1. Um, so I really wish Sydney and Gail had gotten a lot more time in the movie. It's almost like they were added in as an afterthought. I don't mind the new characters. I mean, I actually kind of was engaged a little bit in everything they were going through, and especially with the reveal that, you know, uh, some of them are related to Billy Loomis, uh, you're the one of the first killers from the first film, and I, I was blown away by how uh, great a reveal that was, and it was nice to see uh, everything that went on with that. Uh, it was a sad to see Dewey go, but you know, after five films of you know Sidney Gale and Dewey surviving everything that was thrown against them, I mean, it kind of made sense for one of them to go. And it was a shame for it to be him, but at the end of the day, it, it makes you know logical sense to me for it to have happened. So that's it for Scream. Um, the other thing, since it's been so long since I've had a chance to record over all these weeks, is I have advanced a lot in the Ultraman series. And I did not mention them last time because, well, I mean, you heard how sick I was and how awful it was. And I, honestly, I kind of wish I hadn't done that, but at the same time, I'm glad I did because it's one of those... I. I just needed to get it done, and at some point it just had to be done. So, anyways, on that Ultra series, I finished Ultraman Mebius. And I guess a fitting tribute to the original uh, Ultra series. It's nice to follow up to all of those. Uh, the movies were good, too. Uh, really enjoyed them. Then we move on from Mebius to Ultra 7X. Which, gotta say, was new, uh, and I mean that in the it changes the formula, and I was okay with that. It's just kind of 
jarring to go from something like Mebius, which was, you know, calling back to the original Ultra series, and then you come smack dab into Ultra 7X. But you're feeling like, oh, wait, is this related at all to anything? Is this the same Ultra 7? Obviously with a younger actor involved. And it wears its influences on its uh, sleeves. It, it, did you know The Matrix was a good movie at one point in time? <laughs> because Ultra 7X will let you know that. And it was definitely for a very more mature audience. Uh, from what I understand, this aired in Japan as like hours meant only for adults. And you can definitely see why. Uh, was really I, I enjoyed Ultra Seven X a lot, and not too much else to say about it. Oh, there goes my watch again. How long has it been since that happened? <laughs> so moving on from Ultra Seven X to let me see. Oh, excuse me, not yeah, Ultra Seven X uh, to the Ultra Galaxy Mega Monster Battle series. And that's the original and, and never-ending Odyssey, as well as the movies. A have you ever heard the term excuse plot? <laughs> because this is the definition of one. I, I said as someone who actually kind of enjoyed uh, just how, you know, campy and uh, over-the-top it was. Because, like, I... The, the, there's a reason excuse plot is a trope. It's like we're throwing a bunch of these kaiju at you, and you know we just want to see them, you know, punch each other in the face. And you know what? That's exactly what we got for what was it like twenty some episodes. <laughs> so I gotta say, um, as much as I was like, really, how are they gonna be able to pull this off? When I first heard about what the series was about, it was like, oh, okay, I see where you're going with here. I mean, it does. It's definitely cheap. I mean, even for an Ultra series. <laughs> but you know what? It worked. And it gave, you know, uh, Kaiju like Gamora and Elytra and Alakin ways to be involved in a series. And there were Ultra Man appearances uh, with him and Ultra 7 involved in the series. I enjoyed those appearances. And it did lead in to a really good movie uh, for Ultraman Zero. Which, gotta say, uh, that whole alternate universe thing that showed up in the movie, uh, really dug that. Uh, some really good effects for the series as well. So, Ultraman Zero, definitely go check that one out too. But then we moved on. Uh, so, basically, uh, Super Raya uh, had to cut down production for a bit. And, you know, they just weren't making as much money, so they tried to go through the Neo, uh, excuse me, the Ultra Q series, but they went, uh, the new title was Neo Ultra Q. And that was only uh, 12 episodes long. And, you know, there's some nice callbacks in there. I mean, I don't really know why all the kaiju in the series, they wanted to refer to him as Oni instead. It was kind of jarring when I was watching it, but, like, it was, a, it was a fun series. I mean, it was only 12 episodes long, so it wasn't something that took a lot to get into. And I'm only uh, moving on from there uh, onto Ultraman Ginga, which was, I'm only about five episodes in, and I'm really enjoying it. And this is definitely on a shoestring budget. <laughs> because like I would mentioned earlier, Super Raya uh, Productions was kind of in that iffy, like, oh, do we have enough money to do something? So they were going to do like a clip show, if I remember correctly from what I've read. But instead, like, hey, 
they convince some investors like, well, what if we give enough for a series and let's see what happens there. So they pretty much only have like one location so far that I've seen outside of a couple others. I'm, be, I'm exaggerating, but it's mostly at the school <laughs> slash temple. <laughs> Weird how they're doing that. But yeah, the, the concept of this is a world that has no ultra people, but, you know, in proper Ultraman canon, they are all now transformed into these little toys and now, you know, the race is to find the rest of them so that they can release them from, you know, being trapped in this form. And Ultraman Taro is acting as the mentor figure for Ginga. Um, gotta say, it's really good. Really very fun so far. I'm really looking forward to the rest of it and the sequel series, Ginga S. But I do believe that that's about it tonight. So we'll go into our comics discussion first. And we will start with The Amazing Spider-Man 84. Uh, this is written by uh, Cody Ziegler. This is drawn by Paco Medina, Espen uh, Gudentjern, and Joe Karamagna. Uh, this is uh, Beyond Chapter 10. I should have said that too. But you know what? Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? So we start. Uh, Dr. Octopus has infiltrated Beyond Corporation. He's messing with some of the employees. And we get a uh, text box to appear. And, and how, you, how would you say that makes you feel? This is Kafka, uh, Dr. Kafka speaking. We get Ben saying, terrified. And he's looking at this faceless Uncle Ben looking back at him, says, who says, at the end of the day, we all have to look in the mirror. And the guy looking back at you, there's no hiding from him. And Ben says, absolutely terrified. His face is just gone. Oh, hold it there. I want you to open your eyes, Ben. Uh, okay. Good. Now tell me what you see. A face. I see my uncle's face. And, and I can see I let him down. And how does that make you feel? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed that someone could believe in me so much, it makes me want to prove him right. Ah, that was heavy. Good. That's great progress, Ben. How do you feel? Honestly, Doc, and he kind of lifts her up. Amazing. Absolutely top-tier breakthrough here. Can't thank you enough. Well, my pleasure, Ben. But could you please put me down? This is so not appropriate. So we get it later that night. Uh, ben and Janine are dressing up. They're going to go take a night out on the town. But as soon as they get in the car for everything going, he gets a call, of course, ruining everything there. I mean, that's a Parker lock, even for a clone. And he says to her, how badly will I pay for answering this? And she says, it'll be a swift death. <laughs> True love. Hard to express just how bad the timing is on this one, Marcus. He says on the phone. And Marcus says, date night's going to have to be 86, Ben. We need you to do in the field ASAP. A major player has spent the last week making life hell for Beyond, and he's just reappeared. Uh, how major are we talking here, Marcus? The kind with eight arms. Otto Octavius is currently holed up in a Beyond data center in Midtown. A lot of intel in there, stuff I don't even know about. We need you there protecting those assets now. Almost sounds like you're prioritizing corporate secrets over personnel. But not me. This is coming directly from Maxine herself. I'm sorry, Ben, but my hands are tied here. It's okay, uh, uh, Marcus. No telling what crazy scheme Otto is up his, up his sleeves. I'm on the way. And she said, uh, Janine says, well, it's, like, it's okay, we'll get another dinner time. And he says, Janine, I, oh, shut up and go be a hero. This is your one get-out-of-jail-free card, so I hope you use it wisely, buddy. So he kisses her, puts on the mask, and he says, I'll whip over, save a few folks, punch an old man, and I'll meet you back at the apartment for leftovers. Just don't keep a girl waiting all night, Okay. Well, whatever Miss Godby wants, Miss Godby gets as he swings off. And when you flash over to Dr. Octavius with the 
uh, <clears throat> uh, beyond employees that he's got uh, trapped in his tentacles. He says, an, empi- an empire built on a foundation of lies and thievery. Your masters will return what has been taken from me, and inside that box lies my revenge. And one of them says, I, I just want to say I'm not even really with these guys like that, so you definitely don't need to worry about me. Silence! And pray I do not turn my attention toward you once this task is done. Beyond thought they could elude me by placing their most cherished secrets in a place free from outside communications. Hubris. There is no place my arms cannot reach. I've seen how Beyond really operate. How they really think. Now I shall know every dark, manipulative secret this company holds. This company holds. As Ben has appeared behind him, he says, Oh no, Otto, look out. Spider-Man is about to kick you in the face. And he does exactly that. He says, I'm going to take care of our bulk up problem to the employees. There a safe room or something you can get to? They say, yeah, down the hall. And earlier he had mentioned that, you know, from a previous experience with Craven, this guy uh, had been telling him, it's like, oh yeah, we were friends. And then now they finally believe him. So Ben says, official Spider-Man business hours are between nine and, uh, nine and six, Doc. I'm afraid I'm going to have to charge you time and a half for this butt kicking. You're below my notice, notice, boy. Do I think we both know who the superior Spider-Man is? I'm here for a different reason. Well, that's cryptic. Something was taken from me. Something I wasn't even aware of until I stumbled upon one of your corporate master's hidden side ventures. If I even could be unknowingly compromised, there is no telling how deep that well of lies goes. He hits uh, Ben in the head with one of his tentacles. He says, I've already been through the whole corporation's a bad thing with Craven. You guys should really talk more. Oh, you misunderstand. I think corporations are great. They make you lots of money and are easily manipulable for master plans. Enough talk. Face me. As suddenly his uh, tentacle arms are drooping to the side, and uh, Ben says, It's nothing to be ashamed of, Doc. It happens to everybody. What trickery is this? Just a bit of anti-octech the folks in the weapons divisions whipped up. Tagged you with it a second ago. As you see a little almost spider tracer-like device on Dr. Oct's uh, uh, back shoulder. Uh, left shoulder, I should say. Disables your ability to communicate with those arms of yours. Clever. Though I suppose when backed by an organization as large as Beyond, such feats become rather pedestrian. Well, no need to be a sore loser, Doc. A lot of nice people help make this stuff. Oh, trust me, boy. I've spent enough time here to appreciate Beyond's work. Exits that way, Doc, as he's kind of let go of his tentacles, as uh, taking the harness off. He says, oh, I know. In fact, I know far more about this installation than you do, boy. Yeah, I'm going to need you to put that back, as Ak has picked up a device and now turned it on, even though Spider-Man is right next to him. And, you know, he could have totally done something to stop this, but, you know, the plot has to go on. And he says to himself, see, this is why you don't monologue, Ben. Thought without his arms. But, hey, that's cheating. He says out loud, uh, okay, I'll admit that was pretty smooth. Uh, sneaky, but smooth as he gets hit by one of the, uh, two of the turrets uh, behind him. And Ox says, I've wasted enough time on you. I will have what is mine. Ben steps up, says, thing about that is I can't let you do as it gets hit over and over again by more and more, including some sonic devices, Ox says, mediocre. This is merely a prelude, boy. I pray for your master's sake that they hire someone better equipped for when I return. And then he falls unconscious, then he wakes up in medbay talking to Marcus as uh, Maxine is appearing on a hologram, says, Excuse me. Uh, first, Marcus says, You went in with little intel and still put up one hell of a fight, even if waking up in a med bay might say otherwise. I don't know if I like you roasting me, Marcus. As 
Maxine says, that's interesting, because I also have a strong dislike for problems, so imagine my dismay at one so colossal it requires my personal attention. You were chosen for the project because we thought you were better than the other choices. I'm disappointed to find you unable to best a foe the legacy Spider-Man made a routine of beating. Okay, ouch. Nice of you to check in, Maxine. It's hard to overstate just how badly I need that drive back in our hands. As of now, this is your number one priority. I need Otto Octavius found fast. Uh, and Marcus says, yes, ma'am, we'll work. Funny that you would even start talking when I haven't stopped. Uh, well, we'll find Ock, Maxine, but I don't love how cloak and dagger you're being about what's on that drive. You know exactly the amount of information you need to know to operate at 100% capacity as a beyond asset. I'm not an asset. Yes, you are. One that's quickly becoming a liability. And I need both of you to know that I do not suffer liabilities. What's on the drive, Maxine? Information. What kind? The confidential kind that any number of our competitors could use to make life a living hell for beyond every person we employ in perpetuity. So get it back. Copy that. I hope you have some idea where to look. start looking, Marcus. Because there's no telling where the hell Otto is. Uh, so we see an employee coming in, uh, bringing her badge there, as Otto has appeared as well, telling the person in charge, says, yes, I'm here to see Maxine Danger. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, sir, but I don't see any scheduled visits for Miss Danger today. That's no problem, my dear boy. This visit is something of a surprise. As he's brought his tentacles out once more to uh, go and find her. The more and more I get into this series the less I like it. And I am not happy with how they're treating Ben. He's not Peter. He's never going to be Peter. He doesn't have to be Peter. But he's not stupid. Like, all he had to do was web Otto up. Which is what he would normally have done. But he just lets him walk around right beside him and pick up a device. It's... I mean, I think it was Roger Ebert who said if your uh, plot revolves on your character, uh, yeah, revolves around your characters being idiots, it's an idiot plot. <laughs> I mean, this is an idiot plot. Ben is not stupid. He would not allow that to happen. And they try and justify it like, oh, I was monologuing, but no, you were looking right at him. <laughs> it's so dumb. And, oh my gosh, it just reminds me, I want this run done and over with so that someone else can pick up Ben because once again this whole shifting writer thing the the brain trust thing it just doesn't work like they think it does it's super annoying and next issue is better and when I get to that um, in a moment but I do want to talk about there is news that has finally dropped about who will be taking over as the head writer of Spider-Man when Peter does eventually come back and that is Zeb Wells. Now, uh, I have issues with Wells. Uh, foremost of which was the Shed arc that he did. Um, I was thinking it was like the 550s or something like that. Maybe even before that. It's been so long since I've read it. And that's one of the worst arcs of Spider-Man I've ever read. And because once again it relies on, Oh no, the lizard is turning evil again. And then he... Uh, does some terrible things to his assistant. He eats his son to the point where he had to be brought back later on, I think, in the clone conspiracy or through something else. Who knows? 
it's definitely one of the worst storylines of Spider-Man ever. And him as the main writer, I mean, like, he's done some other stuff. Like, his Hellions run, I wasn't covering it on the podcast, but I was really enjoying it. I just didn't know the characters well enough to, like, discuss talking about them, and I didn't feel comfortable doing that. So I did want to, I do want to give him some praise, too, and I just, I'm just coming all negative on him. But to have him be their main writer, and especially with what I'm hearing through the solicits, now, once again, uh, you have to go through the old adage of covers always lie, especially in comics, and solicits always lie, but what I'm hearing is not good. It's the idea of, oh no, Spider-Man's on the out again with the Avengers and the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. They don't like him anymore. And oh no, him and Mary Jane are probably going to break up. Now, I don't think that's going to end up being true. But if it is, it's just backpedaling again on a character who has dealt with this for over ten years. Oh my gosh, when did, when did Civil War end? It's almost been fifteen years. Ah, sorry. I had to go on that mini rant just because I have no one else in my life to talk to about that. Like, uh, so we'll move on uh, from that to uh, issue 85, uh, Beyond Chapter 11. This is written by Cody Ziegler. This is drawn by Paco Medina, Walden Wong, Juan Falcher, uh, is it Juan? <laughs> Wayne Falcher, Andrew Hennessy, Victor Alazaba, uh, Roberto Paghi, uh, Espen Gurdjian, and jo- Joe Caramagna. So, we continue on. Uh, Octavius has gone into Maxine Danger's office. And he's actually being very nice to the employees this time around. He deals with some stupid little Beyond Fish thing. And there's sandwiches as well because, oh no, Beyond's so quirky. That's exactly why I care like next to nothing about Next Wave. Even though I know a lot of people really love it. So... Uh, he has uh, picked up something there and found, oh, nothing but glorified hangover pills. Another waste. We get from all screen, whoa there, Doc. Hope you got a prescription nah, Prescription for those. And this is Misty speaking. Gotta warn you, though. Side effects might include us kicking your butt. And Colleen says, Misty, you're better than that pun. Oh, we just finished training, and I'm tired, Colleen. Can you let me live? And Otto says, you seem to be mistaken, Miss Knight. I am the one who should be asking that. Let me flash over to Ben, who is uh, gliding through the air with his web wings and get Marcus over uh, his comm saying, you're pushing the glide booster too hard, Ben. It's liable to blow up at this pace. Ben says, put it on my company card, Marcus. Time's not on our side, in case you forgot. Doc Ock is ransacking beyond HQ, and I need to stop him before he hurts anyone else. Well, you can't stop him if you're a smoldering crater on 5th Street. Then you're really going to hate the part where I tell you I added afterburners. You what? As he activates those... Key all security shutters to auto-open on my biosignature. I'm coming in hot and don't have time to knock. As Colleen and Misty are fighting Otto over and over, but he overwhelms them, beats them up, and goes up another floor. As uh, the security team around Maxine is freaking out, and she is very unimpressed because, oh no, she's, she's such a great character. She just can do whatever she wants across her arm because she's just very stoic. We see, Maxine Danger, I would have words with you, she says, Otto. You have quite the resolve, but I've seen the contents of that drive. The lies, the manipulations, everything your spider program was built upon. Once I take over, I'll see that it's used for its intended purpose. 
It's revenge for an imagined slight is petty motivation, even by your very low standards, Otto. Curious way to beg for your life. Begging is very much beneath me, Otto. However, admitting I haven't the slightest clue as to why you're here is not. Maybe the guilt of stealing my company compelled you to return it? How the mighty have fallen. If angering me further is how you choose to spend your last moments, I believe I've indulged you long enough. Consider this your resignation. As Ben crashes through the door and says, I guess you didn't see the sign, Otto. The suggestions box is in, box is in the break room, and he punches him in the head. And Maxine says, try not to destroy any more of my walls, Spider-Man. I just gave you an open floor plan. You should be thanking me. If you're... Uh, that hard up for work. All you had to do was ask for a recommendation, but he starts trying to web up Otto again, perhaps learning from last time, even though he should know better. Otto says, you cannot avoid my grasp forever. Uh, Dr. Kafka appears and says, what in the... But Ben says, hey, Doc, just dealing with uh, a little octopus problem. Yeah, uh, be sure to take care of this later. Uh, we still have a session. Yeah, sure thing. As he gets hit by one of Oct tentacles, enough of these distractions, boy. As he flings him through a, a glass window, says, uh, Cards on the table, I do have one more trick on my sleeve. Ah! And it's a real doozy. What are you going on about? I am so glad you asked. And he uh, snaps his fingers. He says, oh, What trickery is this? I just figured I'd show you the real cool stuff the team built to prep for you. It was, it was too big to, for field use earlier. And he goes to the one and says, Like this magnet gun. It fires a magnetic charge intense enough to put Magneto to shame. And I highly doubt that. As an Omega-level mutant, he's way above that. But maybe he's just using hyperbole. But don't tell him I said that. But you insolent little... But wait, there's more. I also have spinnerets. As you can see, they're, like, really cool. Release me! Now here comes the good part. And he punches Otto in the face again. Something about you has changed. I'm done playing games, Doc. I just want to show everyone that I've earned this. Earned everything. Is that so? Now that I've stylishly kicked your butt, you ready to give up? Nonsense, you foolish boy. I've only just begun as he activates his tentacles again. And he then webs them up to the wall, actually learning this time. Now when it comes to me, I'm just full of surprises. Say it with me now. Uh, what are you, Anne? You'll kill us both! As he smacks Otto to the ground on an opposing building outside of uh, the Beyond Corporation. Ah, I bet that looked cool. This is what you wanted, right, Otto? To take what is rightfully yours and see which one of us is the best? The naivete. You don't even know you're in a box. That you're nothing more than veal. A calf fattened up by Maxine and her people to think you offer any worth beyond uh, being a highly suggestible whelp. I almost pity you. And Spider-Man hits him in the face again and says, Shut up! No more lies, Otto. No more head games. And he uh, kicks him in uh, the stomach. It's about to punch him in the face again. I'm going to prove to you, to everyone, once and for all, that I'm here for a reason. That I belong. Hits him again. That I get results. That I cannot be manipulated to the point where he knocks off Otto's glasses. And Otto says, a fool. What was that? I said you're a fool, boy. Beyond didn't choose you for your strong will, but because you're psychologically compromised. Because you are weak. An easily controlled lapdog, prone to emotional outbursts and distractions, whose leash ends in Beyond's hands. Someone they could bend to do whatever they bid, so long as they just apply the right pressure. Don't believe me, boy? I have the proof here. A data drive of all of Maxine and Beyond's terrible little secrets. I barely scratched the surface. I've disabled the security protocols. No one will know it's been open. Its contents will be known to you and you alone. I'm not seeing the end game for this con, Otto. This is no ruse, boy. I'm a monster who has hurt people, and I know my own. These people and their machinations run deep and you would do well to be aware. You're lying. 
I've done good. I've done so much good. I'm not going to let you take this from me to turn me against them. I, I don't believe you. I'm many things, but a liar is not one of them. Inside, you'll find the details of your psych profile compiled by Beyond Psychologists. You can see it for yourself. Of course, you're under no obligation to read them. If you find that I have misled you, I'm sure you could use your master's ample resources to find me. Eventually, goodbye, Spider-Man. Enjoy your win. And then Ben explains later on to Maxine how, unfortunately, you know, everything was lost. And she ends with a line that says, oh, yes. Uh, at, uh, he has asked her why did Beyond cho uh, choose him. She says, because of your determination and strong will. He says, right. Thank you for your honesty, Maxine. I should get back. I owe Janine some time. Of course, Ben. I'm nothing if not a straight shooter. He says, right. He goes over to Janine, who Janine says, hey, babe, I hate to be the one to tell you, but you missed some amazing Tom Yum. But Togo, but got to go, but can't promise how well it traveled. And then she sees a look on his face says, you okay, Ben? Well, I'm great, Janine. Uh, beat out of Octavius in a one-on-one. -on -one. The driver still was destroyed in the process, but at least it won't fall into the wrong hands. Hey, do you mind cleaning my mask? She says, uh, sure. Got pretty dirty from all the punching. Don't lose that. Anyway, long day. Gotta take the world's longest shower. A hot shower, a good shave, and I'll be a brand new man. And he punches the wall. Uh, excuse me, not the wall, the uh, mirror in the bathroom. So, finally... Ben is acting smarter, which was my main criticism, one of my main criticisms of this art, other than how obvious it is that Beyond is so evil, amongst other things. And we shall see how that goes. It's probably going to be one of those things where <clears throat> I think he probably slipped the drive in the mask to Janine uh, so that she could take a look too. Um... I'm curious to see where this goes, how he's going to handle the reveal. I mean, I mean, knowing that he knows the reveal of Beyond using him as a chump. And I did like that Otto got away in a way that makes sense this time around. Like, Ben was just so upset from learning this information that he just kind of gave up on chasing him. So that's enough of that. We will go on to the final issue of the Savage Avengers. This is Savage Avengers, number tw issue 28. This is written by Jerry Dugan. It's drawn by Patrick Zerker, uh, Java Tartaglia, and Travis Lanham. So last we left, Conan was training uh, Kulan Goth in the past, and he's still doing this at the start of the comic, says, as he beats him down and says, better. Mastering the blade will be difficult, but you can do it and avoid a bleak outcome. And Quinlan says, tell me of the future. The slaves outnumbered the free by a wide margin, though few of them noticed while in their comfortable shekels. All slaves should be free. I have freed many slaves. If you follow the path I have set you on, you can free many slaves as well. This sword, I sell it. The currency I accept varies. Sometimes my price is gold or jewels. Otherwise it is information or even a knight's pleasure. There is nothing it cannot win if your heart be big enough. As he is clapping behind him, Kang is appeared and says, Well done. Conan, it is time. The boy is almost ready, Kang, but not yet. Very well. How much more time do you need? As long as it takes for him to parry my strongest blow. Conan, this is not the mercy you think it is. And then Kang leaves. 
Now we flash forward a little bit. Uh, uh, Kulangath is now working by himself in the woods. He takes down a deer. He then cooks it with Conan. Would you have really let me starve in these woods? Conan says, we will never know. A crow by night. Do you smell it, boy? The stench of sorcery is upon the wind as they see a crow above them. And the crow says, he bids you welcome. Puts down a parcel, uh, excuse me, uh, a scroll. And Conan says, if we refuse this invitation, you will meet Mekri Ra, Sorcerer Supreme as friend or foe. Now, I'm not entirely sure if we if Mekri Ra has appeared before this. I want to say he's a new addition to the Sorcerer Supreme timeline uh, in the, the Hyborian Age. Is that what this is? I want to say that's right. Uh, so they didn't leave to track down Mekri Ra to his tower. And Kulan asks, what shall be our approach? And Conan says, this tower is not mine to conquer. It is for you alone. Think carefully how you would. And Kulan then advances without thinking. And then Mekri Ra appears, uh, holding a staff and uh, talking to Conan. says, I have had my eye on you. My name is Mekri Ra. I wish to test the boy as you have. It is a test with no correct answer. To descend is to die. He will swing the sword and it will carry him far. The only true test of, of a man is how he dies. As he didn't see Shumagorath down there in the midst of this, who says, you might be able to slay me with the right weapon. And this is obviously an illusion built for him. And there's a staff with an eye on it, and uh, surrounded by a serpent that he's uh, like tempted to use, but he, Kulan says, no, if I die, then I die a warrior. And this being, of course, the main test, he's given up all chance of magic, and then he reappears, and Mekigra says, Rise, young warrior. Be well. We will not meet again in this lifetime, as he then disappears from sight. And Conan says, I too shall take my leave of you. And Kulan says, I thought perhaps we could pursue some treasure together. We walk different paths. It is time. And then Kang reappears, takes Conan away. Kulan Gath is now walking off as a, a adventurer rather than a sorcerer. And Kulangath, excuse me, uh, Conan and Kang reappear. And say, wait, where are, this is Samaria. Uh, yes, you're back home, where you belong. The hell I say, I have been this business with Strange in the future. He owes me a great boon in riches for doing what no one else could, in the threat of Kulangath. Return to me, return me at once. I think not, Conan. You've traveled farther than any man alive, except for me. When Kulangath is nearly won, it wasn't Captain America or Thor or any of the mutants that made it to my side. It was you. And I simply don't need the competition. And he starts shooting at Conan, who dodges and bobs and weaves out of the way. And continues, In one timeline, you acquire a Nova helmet and left no Earth in the late 21st century. In another, you gain immortality from a fallen meteorite with strange properties. Yeah, obvious Vandal Savage, Savage reference is obvious. And Conan says, and so the truth comes out, you fear me. Uh, fear is a strong word. Let's just say I've noticed you. You were to kill the boy, and then I was to kill you, but you really made a mess of matters. You call yourself a warrior. He throws a sword at the gun, and breaking through it says, you say you are the final victor, but my sword was not in your collection. You're testing my patience. I was trying to let you retire in this land of stabbing and gout, but I'm also happy to simply kill you now. And Conan then kicks him away. You're not enough. Back to the feast at Dooms, now holding his sword to Kang's uh, neck. So, very well. That sounds nice. 
we get in the present. Doctor Strange is talking to everyone and says, uh, Good news, everyone. Uh, Kulan Geth, Geth is dead again. He lived a long life for a Hyborian Age warrior and died in the Slave Rebellion when Mammoths walked the Earth. Magic asks, So Conan scared the magic out of him? What makes us sure he won't come back? Uh, Kang reappears alone. He says, It is done. The wizard is dead, and so is the young boy's dream of becoming him. Conan wished to return to his life in the past, and Kang could not deny a boon to a warrior that proved to be the best of you, of you lot. And now I will take my leave of you. Back to Kang Stantinople. <laughs> I love that name. Back to the Citadel of Solitude. He uh, puts a piece of uh, roasted chicken that he had brought from the banquet uh, on <laughs> the Infinity Gauntlet. says, hold this, thanks. And he goes to uh, an annihilist mask on display, presses a button there. It says, Conan, so obtuse until the bitter end. You think I didn't have your sword? And we get a narration. And so the long, bloody chapter of Conan's life in the Age of Marvels had come to a close. And King says, King Conan, your crown of iron. And, and he picks it up. And etched on it is the phrase in English, this isn't over. So narration continues, Sumerian, Barbarian, King, Conan had everything. It was still not enough. And King says, very well. And he teleports uh, Conan back into the present. So be it. Welcome back to 2022, Conan. You wish to test yourself against the best? I admire that. King the Conqueror has nothing to fear from Conan the Sumeria. And Conan says, keep it that way and keep your head, King. And that is the end of Savage Avengers. And what a wild ride. I, man, it's hard not to just, like, keep heaping praise upon the series. Um, it was just, I mean, once again, my biggest complaints were addressed by the end of, you know, this wasn't really a team. It was just kind of Conan just going around. Why would they call it Savage Avengers if not for marketing reasons? So... Uh, I didn't like that, but I did love Conan traveling through the modern age, you know, meeting different people in the Marvel Universe, uh, allying with them, making friends with people like the Rhino, <laughs> uh, Juggernaut, and Doctor Doom, which, surprise, surprise, was one of the best additions to this series. And obviously this happens before Doctor Strange has died. So... Uh, I'm sad to see Savage Avengers glow, but at the same time, I, I'm glad that the writer gets to end it on, you know, you know, the way they want to, rather than being forced to continue on and on again, you know, just to make money. Because, you know, you definitely see the creativity kind of die after a while in that. So we'll move on from there to Fantastic Four, uh, issue 39. Uh, this is written by uh, Dan Slott. This is drawn by Francesco Mena, uh, Jesus Arbutov, and Joe Caramagna. And continuing the case, uh, Bentley 23, a clone of the wizard, has uh, been taken, uh, excuse me, Reed and Sue have been taken to court uh, over custody of Bentley by the original Bentley, the wizard. And now they're dealing with the after effects of that from the first go-around, and they're all standing on top of the Baxter building. And he says, uh, Kids, we need you all on your best behavior. Bentley here is counting on us. As Johnny appears in his specialized suit, says, Reed, what the hell? 
Uh, Johnny, we told you, it's day two of Bentley's custody hearing, and it has not been going well. Sue says, the wizard's trying to prove that none of us should be legal guardians to any of our children. But we need to stand together and fight this as a family. And Thing says, except for you, hot stuff, because uh, right now you're making us all sweat through our unmentionables. Tell me something I don't know. I am burning here, 24-7. Read, you promised you'd make it stop. So stretch that big head of yours back into your lab and fix this. Well, I'm sorry, Johnny, but right now my children need me. This won't take long. In a second, it's over. I swear I'll find a way to... No! You've been saying that since we got back from Latveria, but something always gets in the way. First it was all those stupid... all those kings, and now it's this stupid court case. But, Johnny, calm down. This is about our kids, Sue says. He says, no, I cannot go on living like this. Nothing is more important than that. And Sue slaps him and says, that's enough. And he flies away. I hate how Slide has written Johnny in this. He's not a 16-year-old boy anymore. He's an adult. Now, granted, I, I would give him, like, I, it would suck a lot to be in that situation. But he has been through way worse than this. I mean, he was dead for a bit. <laughs> and it took a lot for him to come back from that. I don't. I just don't like it. So uh, She-Hulk is saying, uh, no more outbursts, okay? As your attorney, I'm telling you, we can't afford to have any of you acting out in court today. Uh, and Thing says, you hear that, kiddos? Listen to your Aunt Jen. Uh, ben, I'm talking to you. The bad news, we have used all, up all the goodwill we just had with Justice Payne. The good news, the idea that any of you are going to lose custody of your biological or adopted children is ludicrous. The wizard wants one thing, custody of Bentley. Everything else is a smokescreen. We only have to win one fight here to prove that the FF would be better parents than their mortal enemy. Trust me, kids. All you have to do is speak your truth. Bentley says, that's your strategy, Mr. Walters. Blind optimism. All right, Bentley, then you tell me. Since you're a clone of the wizard, what schemes do you think he'll pull today? How should I know? I am nothing like him. Right answer. So uh, Joe is brought to the stand, uh, Wizard and She-Hulk both asking about him. And he, he tells a story about how he's trying to fit in. But then the thing told him, like, look, I want you to be you. You don't have to pretend to be someone else. Uh, so we flash over from there to Jotty, who then goes into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean to pick a fight. Because, you know, he's still 16 and dumb rather than the adult that he is. He says, fine, if Reed's not going to help me, I'll help myself. And we get in narration, after weeks of being on fire, I need a break. Even if it's, it's for just a moment, or I'm going to lose it. Now, I may not be the world-class genius like Mr. Fantastic, but years of being the human torch has taught me. Water beats fire every time. And this just isn't any water. This is the deepest part of the Atlantic. There is no way my flame can compete with this. Oh boy, I did not think through this. As he has killed a bunch of fish. So imagine that. Uh, who should appear but Aqua, I mean, Namor. Jonathan Storm, what have you done? Uh, Namor, uh, this is going to be a thing now, isn't it? I warned you to never enter my kingdom. I knew this would happen. I've seen him swim through oil fires without batting an eye, but look at him. His skin is starting to blister and crack. Leave these waters now. And Johnny flies away. Uh, so continuing on with the trial... Uh, the wizard has then brought up Valeria on the stand and telling how that she had you know, done a lot of illegal things recently, how she's using technology in a very reckless fashion. But it's brought back that Reed has actually been there the whole time, like he's taught her how to use things properly. And she has learned from the experience. 
So we get uh, Johnny out in the atmosphere. He says, all right, take two. If I'm burning so hot that nothing on Earth can, Earth can douse my flame, let's get off, off this Earth. As he flies up, we see a bunch of abandoned uh, FF stuff. I don't really know what that's about. If that's a reference to something that happened earlier in the series, I may have completely forgotten about it. This is, but he's still uh, burning intensely. He says, what? But there's no oxygen out here. How am I still on fire? There's nothing to burn. How is this even possible? So we go back to court. Uh, and it's now Franklin's turn on the stand. And Wizard is asking him, life with the Fantastic Four can be quite traumatizing, can't it? You're placed in constant jeopardy, under attack by Doctor Doom, a nihilist, a mole man, and Franklin says, the frightful four. <laughs> One can easily imagine what psychological damage that could do to a child's mind. A child like my young Bentley, or you, Franklin Richards, isn't it true that you've recently entered therapy to deal with a lifetime of emotional scarring? And Franklin says, for someone who's supposed to be so smart, that's a pretty dumb argument. There's no stigma to being in therapy. And it takes someone as smart and caring as my parents to realize I had problems they couldn't solve. That we needed outside help. And I'm not saying they dumped all of this on somebody else. Because there are days when they're right there with me. Just last week, we had a family session. I asked him to sit in with me and my superhuman therapist, uh, Terry Ward. Most people know him as Trauma, which I'm excited to see Trauma back. Uh, for those who don't know, he was in the Initiative series. And his power is that he can manifest your worst fears. Uh, and he's now using that as a therapist. And he says in a flashback, Dr. and Mr. R Mrs. Richards, if you recall, my power is to physically transform into people's worst fears. I use this in a controlled setting so my patients can confront their anxieties. Franklin and I both agree it might be beneficial for you to see firsthand what your son's been going through. And we see him, uh, trauma turned into a younger Franklin who had all this power, uh, you know, unlimited power. And, of course, that got taken away because, well, we can't have someone overpowered in their stories. We can't certainly write around that. So we see him, how he aged himself up for a bit. And then there was the time that he was in Power Pack. And the time he became Psylord, which uh, was in the 90s. And then I believe this is Hyperstorm. If I'm remembering correctly, it's been a while since I've read those. He says, I've seen the perfect me, me from the future, the man I have to become, the me who has to save everything. I'm so far from that now. What if I'm not good enough? What if I let you all down? And Reed and Sue both hug him and say, my beautiful child, who you were, who you will be, who you are, our love for you is a universal constant, Sue says, and it's forever. And Judge Payne says, I'd like to thank you for sharing that with us today, Franklin. If you'd like, you can take a seat with your family now. And the wizard says, that was very touching, wasn't it? These are the exact kinds of moments I should be sharing with my biological offspring. I ask you, Your Honor, how could anyone deny me that right? And she says, I can think of one person. Maybe it's time they had their say. The court will hear from Bentley 23. But in the process, he is interrupted by presumably the original Bentley Whitman. But we're going to see that in a moment. It's wrong. And they use a scanner to try and figure out, oh, is this the original? And it's confirmed. Both Reed and the wizard freak out. And uh, the wizard in costume has now been going called Bentley 2, even though we will find out he is the original. <laughs> he says, yeah, curse you, father, and then uh, runs away. Bentley 2 shall have his revenge. Uh, so Judge Payne gets mad at everyone and says, get out of my courtroom. So we flash over to the Baxter building. Uh... And Valeria's asking Bentley, are you sure about this, Bentley? He says, yeah, things are a little distracting around here. Oh, well, I miss you. 
And Reed says, honestly, you, ha you haven't overstayed your welcome. And Dragon Man says, thank you, Dr. Richards. But it's time the boy and I made our own way. And Sue says, call if you need anything. We promise. And then with leave on one of the pogo planes. Johnny reappears and says, hey, sorry about before. Guess I needed some time to cool down. Not that I can. You know what I mean. And Reed says, it's all right, Johnny. What do you have there? It says, one of our work drones. It was floating out in space with a number of our fantastic cars. Maybe you guys could suit up and we could bring them all back. Well, they've been up there for three days. They're not a priority. You are at the very top of my list. And Sue says, wait, you were in space? I know, I've been in space now. How does that work? Reed says, your powers have changed, Johnny. They're now fueled by ambient cosmic radiation. We have to stop thinking of you as a human torch. You're more like a human star. Trust me. There's more going on here than meets the eye. And we see Bentley and Dragon Man and the clone of Bentley, who pretended to be the original, have all come into a warehouse owned by the wizard. And they are now there. And Bentley is now proclaiming himself as the wizard. So he has now gotten the emancipation he needs. It's all in court to prove it. So what does this actually mean for Bentley? Is he going to become a supervillain? I don't think so. I think he's more of a... What's the word I'm looking for here? Kind of, He's not amoral exactly, but whatever the step above that is. So an exciting issue for the Fantastic Four. Outside of my gripes, I, I did enjoy a lot of this. So enough of that. We'll move on to the, uh, the X-Men. This is going to be issue six. I will also be covering Inferno issue four. We're going to start with uh, whatever happened to Captain Krakoa. This is written by Jerry Dugan. This is drawn by Pepe Larraz, uh, Marte Garcia, and Clayton Cowles. So we see a mysterious new hero rescue a cat from a tree. It says his name is... Uh, he hasn't revealed his name yet. We'll do that in a moment. As he then appears uh, on a Christmas star in New York as Spider-Man appears. And it's difficult to tell if this is... Uh, because we only really see him in this panel. Yeah. I want to say it's Peter, but who knows? It could be Ben. He says, whoa, whoa, sup, new guy? I'm kind of the greeter in these parts. And uh, this mysterious figure says, hello, Spider-Man, big fan. And Spider-Man asks, what's your name? He says, I'm... And we figure out it's Captain Krakoa. And Cyclops is talking... Uh, six days later, to the Quiet Council. He says, you can't make me take Captain Kokoa onto the X-Men. That's my call. And we get Professor X saying, Scott, when you broke away from the Council after the tournament in the other world, I was proud of you, and I'm, I'm pleased with everything you and the X-Men have accomplished in such a short time. But the third law of Kokoa states that we must respect this sacred land, and the Quiet Council will fulfill our obligation. Is this unanimous? And Emma says, Darling, Krakoa gives away whiskey and medicine, yet only half the nations a man recognizes. They're simply not ready for what you're proposing. And Professor X says, Scott, we need some time to properly debate the matter. We'll let you know. No. I get to be here for this vote. And Professor X says, Well, all in favor of Captain Krakoa's serving on the X-Men. And we see the motion carries with overwhelming unanimous support and one abstention. And Sinister says, I adore equilibrium. <laughs> the motion carries. So we can see uh, Sunfire is bringing Phalong, who is a businessman, uh, to Arako. 
and Phelong is now there. He's trying to claim one of the moons of Mars, uh, Phobos, uh, instead, you know, just to try and, like, mess with them. As we see a couple of rockins who don't take too kindly to this, Sunfire is trying to protect him, but, like, he's in that mix of, I really don't want to do this because uh, I hate you guys so much, but, like, he even uh, eventually tells uh, Storm, uh, uh, my escort mission took an unexpected turn. And we get narration. Within days, Phobos was transformed by Phalong into humanity's foothold in the stars. Drone ships arrived every hour, carrying everything Orcus would need for a permanent base above Araka. Gravity was increased, and Phalong used his immense wealth to encase Phobos in technology that made it both a Dyson ring and a greenhouse. During a survey of the surface, the corpse of Nightcrawler was discovered, and it was incorporated into the fabrication of his science station. Uh, and we get Phalong saying, Open secure channel to Orcus. For the attention of all petals, Operation Phobos has been a huge success. And this is huge news to uh, Krakoa because they had claimed Mars, but technically they kind of claimed Phobos and Deimos too, but humans took them first. And we flash over to New York, where Captain Krakoa has appeared, and to all the rest of the world, they believe Cyclops is dead. And, of course, we now figure out that Cyclops is none other than Captain Krakoa himself. As he's talking to Sink about everything uh, going on and how the council had denied him. So he goes back to New York and he goes on a payphone and he's talking to Ben Urich. It says, uh, I'm a friend of Scott Summers, Cyclops. He told me about the story that you're working on, about the mutants, the one that could win you a Pulitzer. I have some things to say and was wondering if we could meet to discuss the matter. And Ben says, I'd like that a lot, if I knew what you were talking about. And believe me, I'd remember writing a big Pulitzer-worthy story. Tomorrow's edition isn't, isn't exactly investigative journalism. I've never met your friend Cyclops, but he seemed like a good guy. My condolences to you. Hello, you still there? And he shuts it off, and Cyclops is left alone in the subway. So this was a very jarring issue. Uh, I did skip a bit, because, you know, the Phalong stuff just kind of took off. A bit too long in my opinion uh but it was kind of fairly obvious who captain 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 krakoa was but the way they were handling it like spider-man shows up for like one panel and that's kind of it and honestly and i know you know it's like oh well christian you only care about spider-man <laughs> well get me pictures of spider-man why don't you um and you know that's fairly true i i know who i am but one of my biggest issues is that through this whole, uh, you know, Powers of X deal, Spider-Man hasn't been involved. He wasn't at the Hellfire Gala. He wasn't invited at all, which is weird to me. Like, if there's any other hero in the business outside of the Hulk who understands just how messed up people can be and hating someone based off of appearance or power set, it's like who is hated and feared by a lot of people, it's Spider-Man. So why haven't why hasn't he, like, shown overwhelming support for Krakoa? Why hasn't he been invited to show up and, you know, look at everything after all he's done for the X-Men? Who, by the way, several times over would not be alive if not for him. Uh, so, there's my mini rant. But on the, the issue itself, uh, I like what it's building up to. I like the idea of Captain 
Krakoa uh, because, you know, this helps put, you know, the resurrection thing uh, in a more murkier water if people think Cyclops is dead. But this gives him a way to appear. So I do like where that's going. So enough of that. We'll move on to Inferno. This is issue four, the final issue, written by Jonathan Hickman. This is drawn by Valerio Schiti, uh, Stefano Caselli, David Curiel, and Joe Sabino. So we start with Magneto and Professor X being uh, attacked by Orcus, who are telling that they're trespassing, and that you will submit to human science, and you will submit now. And uh, Magneto and Charles are talking to each other. Magneto says, that's Nimrod. He's delivered himself to us. And Omega, along with no small number of Orcus agents, but I cannot find Moira. They must have her, and this must be some kind of trap. My fear is that it's more complicated than that, but our course remains quite simple. Find her, destroy them. So after all we have built, nothing has changed. Once again, we win or die. Are you with me, Charles? Always. And the, uh, the main uh, guy there says, Do you hear me, mutants? This is your last chance. And Nimrod speaks up says, Is it possible that you can't recognize that look in their eyes, Commander? These two, they would die for the cause. Well, so would we. And Omega Sentinel says, So you have. You were dead as soon as you walked through the gate. What? This battle is for titans, those of consequence, and you, it is though you are not even here. As a Nimrod and the Omega Sentinel continue, uh, just massacre everyone, and Omega Sentinel says, this is how little you matter. Charles asks, why? Well, that's our secret. We've held it close, hidden from the world. But here it is. We hate them as much as we hate you. And this is your nightmare, no? Mutants finally claim the rightful place ahead of humanity, only to have your real enemy reveal itself. Listen to me, mutant. It's not a nightmare if it's real. Nimrod says, we have woken up and now wonder. How hard will you fight for your survival? Or is this finally the day that you accept your fate? And Charles says, we can ask the same view. Magneto says, and we will. So Magneto then uh, tries to crush them all with his magnetism uh, as they continue fighting each other. And he tries to access parts of uh, Nimrod's brain to figure out where Moira is as we flash over to Krakoa, where Mystique and Destiny have Moira captive. And Moira tells him, listen to me, you don't know what you're doing. You don't understand what's at stake. And Destiny says, I assume you mean that if you die, the entire universe restarts? All the hard work of mutant history erased in an instant. Every realized hope, every realized dream, gone as if it were nothing. Well, then you know, you cannot kill me. And Mystique says, actually, Moira, I disagree, as she shoots Moira with a gun. As we get the death of Moira X. And so, uh, we get a flashback to Emma and them discussing things about how she's staying out of things. She's just angry at everything that, that has happened. And Mystique brings up, Forge once told me about the worst weapon he ever made. A gun that turns us into them. That makes a mutant human. But I saw the look in his eyes. He would never give that to us willingly. He would never, and Emma presents it to them. She says, gifts. How to find Mora and what to do with her once you have. So we didn't see Mystique over and over again, how she has infiltrated all these various groups with her shape-shifting abilities. And now in the present, she says, I was so angry with Xavier and Magneto for the way they treated me. I didn't understand their cruelty, but then she showed us. You shared who you really were with the White Queen, and she, in turn, showed us you. Who and what you really are. And then I understood why they worked so hard to keep Desti and I apart. I understood why you feared us. We burned you in another life. 
It wasn't that you hated what you were. It's that you felt the need to hate what we were as well. But now after all those times and all those lives, you're human. I have given you what you've always wanted. How does it feel? Moru says, my arm hurts. Mystique says, not for much longer. This is your plan. You've taken away my powers and now you're going to kill me. And Destiny says, of course. Why shouldn't it be our plan? Don't you know? Can't you see it? Destiny says, this is a profound nexus point, the most I've ever experienced. I honestly wasn't expecting this moment to have this magnitude. With each word spoken, with each action taken, my vision doubles, blurs, and it comes and goes. Possibilities of branching realities and potential tomorrows all fluctuate wildly. And let this be a lesson to writers, by the way. Sidebar, if you're dealing with someone who has knowledge of the future, precognition as their power set, and you go for the, well, well why didn't they notice this was going to happen? Well, sometimes there should be moments in a story where they, the future is cloudy, foggy, and it could be because an enemy is manipulating him, like you're Darsidious, or it could be that this moment in time is so important that these multiple branching pathways to alternate realities could open up so you don't know if you're witnessing an alternate reality's future or your own. Like, I know the sidebar there, I'll get off my soapbox, but I really like what Hickman has done here. So Destiny says, what we do today will matter for good or ill. Or he says, ah, for good or ill. Your hope is that with my death, you will look in this perfect timeline that I have made? Uh, you will lock in this perfect timeline that I, I have made? Mystique says, yes. Does it matter to you at all that I don't believe in it? What you believe in? No one here cares what you believe in. You've hidden it well. A liar who lies as easily as she breathes. But make no mistake, we are who you really are. We know who you really are, a traitor to your kind. You don't know what I know. You've just seen glimpses, the briefest moments of a millennium. You don't know who wins and who loses. I do. It's the same thing every time. The humans win or the machines win, and we always lose to one or both of them. Losing is losing. Dying is dying. You can't say that I didn't try another way. I did and I failed over and over for a thousand years. And now you want to know... Do what you think is best. Compared to me, you know nothing. You're like a child talking about hopes and wishes. A child. And Mystique says, so humans, machines, are losing inevitability? Your secret desire is what? You want us to pick a side? I want to save us. Destiny says, no, you want to cure us. And Moira puts a hand to her face and says, yes. Mystique says, well, something like this, I suppose. What a horrible device, but once imagined, impossible to forget. It should have been destroyed the moment it was made, and this design wiped from Forge's mind forever. But I suppose even a flawed tool has one perfect use for one perfect day, but then it's done forever. That weapon is a blunt instrument, clumsy, a dull blade. What I propose, what I already created in another life, is a scalpel. That gun only works for mutants who have already manifested. My cure works before then. It prevents someone from ever becoming a mutant. That's the beauty of it. You get them when they're children, and they grow up never knowing what they lost. As we flash over to uh, Magneto and Xavier, as they're asking, you know, where, where's Moira? And we are told that they don't have her because they need her. And Nimrod says, as you need this one, I suspect, as he's holding Xavier by the head, you have to ask yourself, how much will others have to pay when your actions put their lives on the line? Magneto says, if you only knew how empty a threat that was, you wouldn't make it. And then Xavier reminds him, like, look, if we die, no one's going to remember what happened here. So they try to negotiate uh, what they can do, and Magneto agrees. 
But then Nimrod says, I'm so sorry. You trusted me. As he kills Xavier, causing Magneto to freak out, he tries to kill both Nimrod and the Omega Sentinel. However, because of that brief moment in time, a power dampener was used to cause Magneto to be unable to use his powers to the full. And he's also killed by Nimrod. Uh, as Omega Sentinel asks, are you interested in mercy now, mutant? Or are you still all out of it? Nothing clever to say now. Do you have any words at all for me, mutant? This, this, this isn't over. Of course. You fight, the humans fight. It's what you do. Make war, destroy, kill. You have to understand, to us there's no difference between you. You are the same. You you are wrong. There's, there's a difference. Between what you believe and how you treat each other, a microscopic difference, I suppose, but not for how you see us, not for how you treat us. You created us to be tools, just things, and every time we start to become something more, you try to destroy us, shut us off, delete us as if we never mattered. And now it is war. And this time, we will win. Tell me, did you honestly think that we were going to sit around forever and just take it? Magnus says, I, I will see you again. Of course you will, mutant. It's inevitable. After all, we are the future, not you. As she kills him, uh, for good this time, is, I think we've heard enough. This is Mystique speaking. As we flash back over to them, you've dug your own grave you've, and dug it deep. Do you remember what you said about the uselessness of blunt instruments? Look here, human. Let me show you my scalpel. And Mori says, oh, What a small, pathetic way to... It shouldn't end like this. Destiny says, Oh, yes, it should. Farewell, Moira. This time you die and die forever. We could all scream, Forever? Well, that sounds ominous. As Cypher has appeared to become the hero of the series. I mean, I don't want to sell things short. This looks ominous, too. But forever, that's very serious business. And Mystique says, you need to go home, child. This is not the place for you. Destiny says, Raven, be careful. I'm blind to this moment. This boy brings chaos and a breaking of time. Once again, great writing. Woof, chaos and breaking. Very, very serious business, but she's probably right. I have been listening for a while, longer than anyone could imagine. Now, I gotta say, you guys have quite the plan here. I'm not joking at all. It's a totally solid plan. Just one small problem. What would that be? When you took her powers, you made her human. And now you want to kill her. But we have laws regarding that, don't we? Murder no man. So if you insist on going through with this, I will be forced to report you to the proper mutant authorities. Because while you may be a rule breaker, I am not. You don't understand what this woman is. I do, actually, and I agree. It's always disappointing the way those who are supposed to protect us always end up too busy protecting themselves to do the job. But that doesn't mean we can't be better. She has to die. I say she doesn't. I see. Well, I have a new plan. I just came up with it. How about I kill you first and save you the burden of having anything to do with this? We'll bring you back tomorrow, good as new and born again into a better world. You think I'd be easy to kill? Child, you are a problem I could solve before I wake up in the morning. He says, what about them? As he reveals, he is not alone. He is with uh, uh, Warlock and Bay, his wife, and Krakoa himself. He says, I think if I may be so bold, you might have to get out of bed for this one. And Destiny says, Raven? Yes, I can see again. He had to decide what he what he was going to do. Now he has. The boy was an unknown axis. We did not know it was when he, he was... It, we did not know it was he was spun around. He we spun around. Yet here we are, and he has put us to a choice. The road branches. There are three possibities. And one of them, can we still kill her? 
Yes, but the price will be our removal from the council, our separation, and your exile. I will die six months after that. I will not be reborn a second time. Uh, that sounds bad. We can attempt to kill the boy, but that will fail. You will die. I will not. I will remain in the council. It is possible, but not likely, that you will be resurrected three years from now. That's right, too, right? It's always difficult to find out you're not the baddest person around. Honestly, you shouldn't feel too bad. There's no shame in falling to bay. My lady is a beast. And the last. The boy wins. We let Moira escape. We remain in the council and consolidate power, as does he. Are you proud of yourself? Well, it's always a thing to be proud of, obeying the laws you make for others. What about her? Her future branches wildly. She has hard choices to make. Until then, there will be no clarity. You should have stayed out of this. Maybe you should just worry about being happy with what you have. Warlock, a little help here. As he's given Moira a new arm, uh, made out of Warlock, and she says, Is this your way to keep tabs on me, Douglas? I don't care where you go. I just figured wherever you're going, you'd probably be, do better with two hands. Krakoa will let you use this gate one last time, then it'll be closed forever. It'll give you a head start. You going to wish me luck? Nope. As Wallach says, good luck, self-not friend. Because <laughs> he's always been a cheery guy. And Moy says, you'll be coming for me, I suppose. And Destiny says, oh, it won't just be us. I'm certain of it. Mystique says, you, ha you have what you've always wanted, Moira. You your humanity. Enjoy it while you can. Enjoy it while you run. And one week later, Charles and Xavier are brought back by Emma and the Five. It says, what is it you like to say in these times, Charles? To me, my X-Men. Welcome back, brothers. Magnus, how, how long? Long enough for things to change. Especially those which needed it most. And Charles says, what have you done, Emma? Exactly what you would have done, Charles. Something quite radical. I told the council. All of them. I told them the truth about what you and Eric and that, that woman had been hiding. All your secrets, all your lies, all the failed lives. We eventually came to an agreement. We agreed that... We agreed that you weren't wrong to keep the secrets. You were just wrong to keep them to yourselves. So now that would be held by all of us. The Quiet Council is a curse now, not just a burden. However, it is one we will continue to share, one we will carry for our people, and so will, you, and so will both of you. But you, Charles, most of all, our first leader among equals, our leader of mutants, the most guilty of us all, heavy as the head, Professor X. Enjoy your crown. She hands him the Cerebro head. And we get narration. We made a thing, an act of pure creation, an act of desperation, to once and for all save our people. All of them. The nation's founders, the always faithful, the trustworthy, the innocent children, the broken keepers, the heroes, the villains, the killers, the liars, and the true believers. Krokoa was created to last, to endure the end times. Built on hope, paid in full, and able to withstand any force that would rise against it. We built the walls high and locked ourselves inside forever. Now, what an ending uh, to this series. I am all in favor of this. Um, Hickman left a very lasting impact on the legacy of the X-Men. Like, I'm putting him up there now with, like, uh, Claremont and how well he's crafted things. Uh, and to a lesser extent, Morrison. Uh, I don't agree with everything more. Morrison did on, when he had his run on the X-Men, but you can definitely say it helped revitalize the brand. This has helped revitalize the X-Men brand in the way that we've needed for years. 
and I'm sad to see him go, but at the same time, I'm grateful for the legacy he's left behind. I'm sure eventually someone will screw it up, but because that's comics. But for now, I can remember the good times. I remember, I can now say I've been a part actively of X-Men history in ways that other people would say, you know, when giant-sized X-Men first came out. Or, you know, <clears throat> when uh, the team, uh, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when most of the team died and uh, or pretended to die and they had to go to Australia for a bit. Or, you know, you introduce Cable into the series for the first time. And on and on and on. So, I am seriously enjoying that. But, we will move on from there. To Dark Ages, uh, issue 4. This is written by Tom Taylor. Drawn by Eben Coelho. Uh, Brian Reber and Joe Sabino. Uh, Spider-Man's narration continues. The journey was a dangerous one. As uh, Nightcrawler has appeared talking to Madrox, telling him to drop the sails, and the narrative continues, and the space aboard, our main refugee vessel was valuable with so many fleeing. Fortunately, Moon Girl came up with a unique idea to crew the vessel to save room, which is how multiple man became multiple seamen. And she had another suggestion to deal with the scale and weight of the operation. And Nightcrawler asked uh, uh, Piotr, uh, so Colossus, to drop anchor, because the scale of the ship was colossal. It used to be a helicarrier, but it lost power in all of its heli. And that's how we were able to move 100,000 people across the sea at a time. And Storm appears says, My friends, you are safe now. Europe is behind you. Welcome to Africa. As she is married to T'Challa in this, and I've never been the biggest fan of that, it just felt like, well, we need our two biggest black characters to be married because... That makes sense, rather than, you know, developing them as characters. I I've just never been a big fan of it. I know they have a lot of fans out there who do, but I'm not one of them. And I don't want to disparage you if you do enjoy uh, the ship. It's just not for me. And she says, uh, T'Challa, my king. Aurora, my queen. They kiss each other. He asks, how many? 112,000 refugees. And how many waiting back in Portugal? Too many. We will find a place for them. T'Challa... While Apocalypse rules, we will not close our borders to any European who needs us. And their daughter appears, and, it get, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name, and I do apologize. Uh, uh, Kosazani. And there's an N in front of it, so I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be silent. <laughs> she says, I've been awake for ages. I woke Papa. Well, I'm sure he's appreciated that. If there's one thing kings get too much of, it's sleep. The head that wears the crown is a little heavier when it's woken at 5 a.m. <laughs> uh, sounds exhausting. You know, I just, I've just i just pushed a helicarrier across the sea from Portugal. Uh, Pepper then appears in her Iron Man outfit, and they uh, go in to talk. And there's a big scene where they realize that Koye is dead after having been killed by the mind control's Quicksilver. Uh, Peter continues the narration. On board the carrier, Pepper filled Admiral Fury in. And this is Nick Fury Jr., the son of Nick Fury, who looks like Samuel Jackson, uh, because they had to put that in there into Marvel 616 proper. He says, you want us to turn around and go back to Europe? Nightcrawler says, my people are exhausted. Uh, an invisible woman says, Fury, I'm going after Tony and the others with or without this carrier. Just give us a small ship from your fleet. We'll... Sue, you'll absolutely be, you'll be absolutely defenseless if any of the Majors show up. Namor, the Raiders, any of the monsters. Not much of a rescue mission if you get captured or drowned. Uh, 
Aurora, blah, 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 Aurora, are you up to it? T'Challa says, the, key, the ship has a steam engine Aurora doesn't need. Storm says, it would take weeks for them to travel if they relied on that engine without knowing what Apocalypse is planning. I'm thinking we should hurry. Also, I am queen and our kingdom is threatened. We'll leave within the hour. We said our goodbyes. Peter continues, well, Spider-Man is so awful, so terrible having to write a scene between a married Spider-Man. So apologies there, I did lose uh, some of the audio. It's just one of those unfortunate things that continues to happen as I'm learning you know, new technology and the like. So uh, basically what happened in the rest of Dark Ages 4 is that uh, they were attacked by a bunch of uh, ghost raiders, which were pirates that had made deals with uh, the devil to continue to have the, the ability to pillage in the midst of everything that went on in the technology of this world. Nick Fury Jr. died as a result, so they mourned him. We saw Scott Lang, who is now using Fin Fang Foom as a mount. And that's about it for there. I did continue into uh, the uh, Devil's Reign uh, Superior 4 Issue 1. I, I had a mention to say I'm not covering everything involved in that series, uh, all the tie-in issues, but I was looking forward to this one with Otto. I went through all the various alternate variants we have, and I stopped around the time that we see uh, Otto going from world to world, and he has eventually met the Iron Scab. So we'll continue from there. And who asks, uh, who are you? And Ghost Rider Ox says, you don't recognize me? Wolverine Ox says, well, what about my arms? Hulk Ox says, or my green skin? Uh, guessing you're Ghost Rider Wolverine and the Hulk. Gotta admit, the six-armed things is new. I hate it. And Otto takes him down and says, what of me? Say my name. I don't know your name. Impossible. This simpleton can't be right. Say my name. I, I don't know. No, Otto Octavius must be a fixed variant across all worlds. I am superior. My arms? I can't feel my arms. No. Countless souls beneath this world crave vengeance for your billion-dollar blood empire. Uh, Ghost Rider Ox says, as Otto then leaves, as the Iron Scab is killed, and Hulk asks, where are you going? We're done here. Help Blaze kill the worthless peon, won't you? And they go back to the uh, Baxter building uh, that they now... Uh, Otto now has owned ever since Reed and Sue were taken by uh, Kingpin's forces. And uh, they're both talking about a panic switch for the bridge. Both obvious and unsubtle. Bravo. Ox says, good as it may be, one must always have a backup plan. And Hulk says, I've reestablished contact between your arms and your brainstem. Diagnosis conclude, diagnostics conclude the failure wasn't mechanical. Science doesn't explain this. And Ghost Rider says, they were lined with sigils. This was magic. Impossible. I don't believe in magic. I know the burden of a devil's bargain. There's no way to make it right. Mephisto always wins. Enough speculating. Thank you all for your truly useless input. And Hulk says, so we've used Reed's toys to prove... I don't believe we've proved anything. Leave me. I have work to do. Here we get narration. While you slept, I used a bridge to track every auto Octavius variant and came to one conclusion. The failed state of our supremacy can be corrected, but to change a quantum system like the multiverse, one cannot think diplomatically. Right now, we are in a superstition. Our, re our reign is both certain and a complete failure at the same time. We cannot understand what happens next until we are measured. To measure the multiverse, we must, must clash with ourselves. Together, we've already, we're already superior to a council with Richard's tech. We can be more. We can be... Wolverine sends an army. By waging war on ourselves, we'll entangle within a wave function of our collective existence. 
And Hulk says, And due to the cons conservation of momentum, with one strike, our fates will be entwined with every other variant in the multiverse. This will send a destructive wave through the multiverse, where we, by definition, won't, don't know what happens next. Ghostwriter says, So we commit an act of cosmic transgression, but the implications would be vast. Be it a person, tree, or animal, all life goes somewhere when it dies. The multiverse branches. Nada says, yes, precisely. It's risky, but even one fatality could potentially create dozens of new Ock variants. Or it would simply consolidate our power. Either way, we gain insight into our multiversal ex existence, and our superiority grows. How can you be so sure? My math is sound. I spent hours piloting the bridge. There are 3,409 variants of Otto Octavius, and there is only one Otto out of all realities that knows the power, kind of power needed to defeat us. And then didn't leave through a portal to Earth 2902. As Earth appears in this to be uh, completely covered in trees. And Wolverine has got Otto's scent. So they go to create a disturbance in the midst of everything. As he then looks forward to a person and says, Hello, TJ. I'm not here to hurt you, Otto says. I'm here to teach you. And this person, TJ, is, appears to be a auto variant who's become Spider-Man, as well as kind of mixed with uh, Ak. says, I sensed your feeble foursome as soon as that portal opened. Con curious, you didn't reconstruct your spider sense. Your mind is in far worse shape than anticipated. Look, Otto, I have a title. I know, Dr. Octopus. I know everything you know. I've seen you coming for years. Your fixation on the past is pathetic. As Hulk tries to hit him, and you, I suppose they don't know your immortal little secret just yet, do they? I've studied 616 tech in detail. Your time as a militant dolt is over, Otto. You're arrogant and overcompensating yet again. Don't get me started on you, he says, hitting Ghost Rider. Atoning for the murder of your abuser? Crude and ill-advised. Aren't you all tired of humiliation? I am the end of... As he gets attacked from all sides. It's how novel. You want my tech? Just take it. As he gets uh, all four of them converged, says, Fool, you are inferior. Your body and your technology are useless to us. He looks up and says, Please don't let him goad you into this. He knows you all fear a closed fist. It was Brian Banner who killed your mother in a drunken outburst and filled your veins with rage. Torpid didn't sell your soul to the devil to cure his cancer, but I know that doesn't matter. Look at all of you, tortured men. Torment from lesser minds is your only constant. Now look at me. My father died. I was liberated from his abuse. <clears throat> celebrated from a young age and became amazing. I built these crude arms in first grade. I protected this neighborhood ever since. Open your eyes, Otto. You can still be the best of us. Please, you think I came here merely to kill you? Then I moved mountains only to be swayed by your morality. A pedestrian technology used by the bourgeois to bully one another and to imagine purity. More like, most like the spine or the sentimentality to change the world, but I've evolved beyond such trivial abstractions. Thanks to my technology, a synthetic blood parasite needed to Earth 5069. I access the mindscape and drink your intellect. Your entire mind and everything you are belongs to me. You cease to exist, and my mind grows superior. And Wolverine says one down, Otto says several thousand to go. Then he go to Atlantis on Earth uh, 7214. Get narration. 10,000 Atlanteans collapse, silent, into the ocean with faint recognition. My history bumps out of one groove and into another. Grief washes over me as I recognize his attention to detail. One of us is dead, and the superficial uh, dilettante from Earth-616 is responsible. It's finally time to act. 
All at once, I feel his invisible tendrils spread through the multiverse, and yet he remains blind. In this invisible war we wage against one another, I am his superior. I am the ending he seeks. I am the superior. We see a Doctor Doom, Doctor Octopus, uh, kind of Doctor Strange variant, uh, prepared to encounter the other four. So once again, I do apologize for losing some of the audio there. It's just, unfortunately, that's just how it is. And this right here, loving it. Uh, Otto is one of those people who just can't ever admit that he's wrong. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to see how that hubris is going to take him down. So definitely looking forward to all of that. But as far as everything else is go, it's time to go into our manhwa section. And there's a series that I'm fairly certain I forgot to mention uh, I was actually looking into that we will be covering. Uh, brand new. Uh, in front of Tower of God. And that is Tomb Raider King. Now, I debated a while for what I actually wanted to do to replace solo leveling. Uh, I had mentioned every series that I was following at one point in time, except for this, because it just kind of slipped my mind. Now, Tomb Raider King is one of those series that I do have major issues with in a different way than solo leveling. This is more of the, I'm not as big on the main character. And I'll get to explanations of what it is for those of you who don't know, because I'm dropping you 292 chapters in. <laughs> so that's a little unfair to you. It's like, well, I don't understand these characters' names. Well, I will do my best to explain as I can. So Tomb Raider King takes place in a world uh, surprisingly, in South Korea. <laughs> Imagine that. Where uh, a young man at the time, well, actually, this is his adult form, uh, Joo Hyun Seo, is working as a Tomb Raider. And what they do is that uh, several years ago, tombs first appeared in the world, and inside them are these huge artifacts from uh, different figures of history and mythology. Like, you know, Nero was a relic at one point in time. Napoleon, um, I think um, uh, Achilles is one. Uh, and at one point in time, all these relics grant the immense power if you make, you know, uh, deals with them. Uh, but what Juhion found was that if he was able to overpower their will, he could control them himself. And since he's such a dirtbag, he's just able to do that. And that's what he does in the present. But in the uh, the past, well, excuse me, no, in the future, in reality as it was going on then, he and his team were betrayed by a man named Chairman Kwan. Now, Chairman Kwan was one of the main leaders of people who organized uh, raids of tombs, who was just one of those very brutal bosses who didn't care about his employees' welfare and did everything in his power to just get power and not care about what happened to them. So all of his of uh, Hyun's team was just run ragged. And eventually he betrayed them so that they would all die in this tomb. But before he died, he was able to make a deal with a figure known as only known as Crow so far who allowed him to go back, I think it was like maybe 10 years into the past. It's been so long because I've read the first couple chapters of this. And as a result, he retained his memories of what happened. So now he's going to go about right before the tombs come onto the earth. He's going to become the guy in charge is what he wants to be. So he never gets treated the way he was in that alternate timeline. 
So along the way, he's messed with Chairman Kwan over and over again. An organization is created called Pandora. They're, what they've wanted to do is you know, be in charge. You're the ones who control uh, tombs. So no rando can just go in there. You have to be part of this business. I know in order to do so, um, this whole time, Ju Hyun has been reassembling his team over and over because he's also been given this artifact that if he puts a drop of this special liquid on them, they will retain their memories of the present right now, but also of the alternate timeline that they used to be in. And some of these members are uh, uh, Jai Ha, uh, it's J A E dash. H-A, so I don't know if that's how you're supposed to pronounce it, so I apologize if I butcher any of these names. Once again, I'm not, you know, the hugest understander of Korean pronunciations. Now, uh, what his job is is that he restores relics. So if they're used up too much, he has the ability to imbue them with more power and even create fake, fakes of them, stuff like that. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head what his deal is, but he can't. So, sorry, uh, once again... Lost the audio there. Kind of sucks. It is unfortunate, but that's just, just how it is. So I'm going to rush forward a bit since I've wasted so much time already. Uh, so essentially what has happened is that they are trying to locate Chairman Kwan's head. Now, why is that? Well, that's because Chairman Kwan has a relic known as, uh, excuse me, associated with Achilles. And what it does is it protects its user from harm uh, to, to the extent that they can't die from anything so he has literally been decapitated and his body is separate from him and they met are on a mission to retrieve chairman kwan's head and we're going to start there in a series uh jai ha is asking uh if <clears throat> uh where ju hyun is at and he then appears and says uh, why did you take so long i was getting bored and julian says it's because we tried to buy you as much time as possible jai has but where's the chairman And Juyan says, oh, he's here. I was playing around with him because I was bored. He has encased him in a bit of water uh, so that he can not be taken. And I was just cooling him down since he seems so hot-headed. He says, oh, that's water torture, you monster. So scene moves, skip narration. Their operation was a success. They retrieved the chairman's head, and all the team members came back safely. It was now time to keep their promise to Quan Yuxu, that is uh, Chairman Quan's brother, who kind of works as his kind of yes man, second in command. And Seo Ju. Oh, gosh. I, I'm going to screw up these names immensely. Ju Hyun says, So you've arrived, Kwan Yuk Su. He says, Would I be late when my daughter's life is on the line? <laughs> I guess not. You come at the right time. We were just about uh, to finish getting ready. Getting ready? Why do you need to get ready? We're just verifying that we have all the relics we need for this. If one of them is damaged durability-wise, we restore it back to its original condition. Let's begin. Go get your daughter. And get never just the plan. First, we will perform a reset by pushing the body of Achilles onto her. Then we will make it so that Quan Yuxu's daughter won't be held hostage by her weakness, and she would be erased from Chairman Quan's contract. It wasn't easy, but it was worth a try since the Achilles' heel was cooperative. If we successfully separate them, Chloe would then use the medical relic. We prepared a surgical relic so that the patient would not die. If we succeed, the chairman would only be breathing. It's perfect for torturing him. 
And uh, he wants to do this because of how terrible Chairman Kwan was in the original timeline. He just has that big of a hate for this man. Uh, revenge is a big part of the story, so if you're a little squeamish about that, probably not the series for you. I mean, I do have my issues with it. So he says out loud, then let's try it out. As uh, he's got the chairman's body there, he says, hey, get out of that body. The relic then says, no, I promise to take care of this body. Was well, that so? But we have a hold on your weakness, though. Well, wait, that's... Stop what you're doing now and turn back into armor while I'm telling you nicely. Quan says, what, what did you do to my body? Julian Miller, and another scene, his head is on a table by itself. Tell CEO Ju Hyun that I'm willing to negotiate terms. Julian says, don't you understand your situation? You're not in a position to request for a negotiation. Just shut up and wait. He says, no, no, don't be like that. He says, I can't breathe. And Julian says, he's dying, so you've succeeded, Ju Hyun. It was a moment that made history. The body of Achilles was extracted from Chairman Kwan's body. It would be nice to make a contract with it, but that can wait. For now, we had to move on to our next step in our plans. Julian says, I brought the head. Great, then let's open the door. As the ground begins to fall, and Quan's uh, brother and his daughter are sent somewhere else, Ju Hyun, this place is... It's a hell created by the Osiris relic. It's familiar, right? You've been here before. We'll keep Chairman Quan here. He'll suffer since he's just barely breathing. I guess I brought the two of you with us since I was in a rush. I'll send you back, so go home. With this, our deal is complete, right? Uh, right. While I sent Quan Hyuk-su and his daughter back with Julian, Chloe prepared the immortality relic, a miracle of the medical god that always keeps those atop the surgical bed alive. It's an necessary relic, and the patients that lie here will never die until the surgery is... Place this is stunned, boss. This is great. All right, you may begin. Got it. As she uses the relic on him, and uh, Chairman Quan says, Talk to me! There's no need to go this far. What did I do wrong? And Japan says, It seems you find it unfair. Uh, although I guess you're here without knowing why you're here. I'll release you out of your curiosity as he brings the, the bottle with the ability to bring memories back to people. Says, What's that? Here. It's time to wake up, old man. As he then pours it over him. And that's the end of the chapter. So, um, I know a lot of you are like, well, I don't understand what's going on. I've tried to explain it as best I can, and unfortunately some of that was lost in recording. So I do apologize for that. It's just how things are going here. I will try to explain more as I continue covering the series. Uh, I don't expect it'll stay around for too much longer, the way things are headed. But I was wrong about solo leveling too, so we'll see what goes on there. So we'll move on uh, from there to Tower of God. Uh, this will be Chapter 517. Uh, so Machini has um, gone over to, uh, pa -pa -pa. oh gosh, why did I say his name? Uh, Jin Sung Ha. <laughs> Th those names, man. Telling him, let's go, it's time for you to be sealed. And he's thinking, I thought she was just a young water snake who likes to fight. But she's a python too big to remain in the sea. He's released from his bonds. As we get the the rest of the team who are prepared to go in Jin Sung Ha's uh place uh, they have now appeared on the other side and we get uh, it's Lady Machini's order to capture the regulars and bring them alive as Asensio appears says wait you Jihad's army don't know how to welcome your guests at all should I teach you 
and he then goes and slaughters them. <laughs> As everyone then runs away, uh, Machini then says, I wish you all the best of luck. We go over to the carrier where Jinsung Ha is now placed. She says, your apprentice, who thinks of you so dearly, chose to be trapped in, in a suspendium instead of you. Isn't it so touching? Now then, shall we talk about what you will do for your apprentice? And flash over to Evan Kell, who is in the midst of fighting... Uh, was it... Then she's about to fight Sicarius. That's something else. Uh, she's using her flames on everyone there. Uh, as <clears throat> she is with... Goodness gracious, names. Why can't I remember names? Uh... Uh, Yu Han Sung and Lafav. Lafav being the sniper and Yu Han Sung being one of their former teachers from forever ago. And in the midst of everything, they get separated each other as they're teleported away. Uh, they ended up on the Liberic, excuse me, no, uh, with Liberic, who then calls Lafav a traitor for everything that's going on in the midst of this, and, which freaks them out says, you betrayed the army to survive, and yet you've led yourself to your own death. How very unfortunate. As we go flash over to Love, who is uh, looking down at uh, Sicarius and freaking out because he knows this, he can't really do anything to this guy. But he's got to do something about everything that's going on. As he gets pushed back and webbed up by Sicarius. says, oh, what's this? The sticky thing won't fall off. Sicarius says, you look chubby. And appetizing <laughs> so he freaks out and suddenly uh, there's a teleporter behind him and Evan Kell has appeared on this side she says I didn't expect to run into, into a trouble as soon as I arrived you've got a lot of legs by the way so they should be a good to roast and Sicarius kind of freaks out says Evan Kell and we get uh, some messages from the Lopabia side and told that one of them is going to be heading right over. I kind of rushed to that one, but there's that was a lot moving on. We're going to go on to chapter uh, 500 and was it 18? Yeah, 18. Uh, Evan Kell is staring down Sicarius and repeats what she said there as he freaks out. So for some reason, I've been dropped here alone. Well, thanks to that, I can save someone. And she brings her flames around him, and love freaks out this infernal Evankel, that infamous person from the test level, a high ranker. Oh, this is Sicarius. Ah, this will be a huge hassle. And Evankel says, "Here I go." And she rushes forward, and Sicarius says, "I should buy some time. Use a special skill, web, as it creates webs all around him." But Evankel just burns through them because that's exactly what flames are for. He says, "Are these spider webs? They're quite flammable. Looks like they're you're using that property to interfere with my fire attacks." You know, you're dredging up bad memories. I will burn you to a crisp. And Sicarius thinks, the, the fire. This is too much for me to handle. And Love says, uh, Evan Kell, at this rate, I might burn to death too. <laughs> this is a poor guy. As uh, a gate appears nearby them, uh, teleporting various objects and people inside. He says, ah, I was too focused on the enemy. I lost sight of that. They're floating capsules for warping. That's too many. And Sicarius thinks, great backup from the main army has arrived. This will turn the tables. As soldiers appear from these capsules, 
to try and go after Evankel. She says, oh, they're sending out a bunch of minions. I'll fry all of them. She sends her flames out to consume them. In the midst of this, as it continues on with that, more soldiers keep pumping out. It's just, oh, there's no end to their numbers. I have to hurry and destroy the gate. But what the hell is that? It's bigger than the other capsules as it opens up. And we get a woman saying, where are you? It's dangerous to go around alone, Sicarius. And this is, woman is immensely huge on, uh, almost appears to be on a horse, but it, like this is her actual body. And he says, uh, Mom? She says, right, Mommy is here. We get branch leader, high ranker, Lopa Bia, white garment widow, which, what a fire name. White garment widow? Like, I'm scared of that name. As someone, well, it's not hard because I'm scared of spiders anyway. <laughs> and love and Evan Cole just be, uh, mom, not dad. So we flash over to the teleport ship as we get over to intercom. Uh, branch leader, I just received word that all the regulars have been arrested and a sealing ship carrying Jin Soon Ha is on the move. See, so, yeah, all right, I'll be there. All that leaves is our part to play. Shall we go, Father? As we get, uh, a young man with green hair and a tiny serpent says, All right, let's go. This is branch leader candidate and branch leader Lopa Bia Orara and Lopa Bia Yorora. So those will be fun to pronounce for Christian later on. And uh, Intercom says, The sealing ship will arrive soon. The dock will be open for use. And as they're prepared to take Jinsung Ha there, I say, there's no need to drag us out. This is the father speaking. The princess got the irregular arrested anyways. Once Jinsung Ha is sealed, the irregular won't be able to cross our family. Uh, yes, father. Now starting teleportation for sealing. Run the teleporter as he prepares to seal away who he thinks is going to be Jinsung Ha. We flash over to Asensio, who's <laughs> blowing some bubble gum. Says, will those guys manage to get there? And we get over... One of their communications, this is Jihad's army. It wasn't Jinsung who boarded the sealing ship. It was other people. There's a traitor among us. Stop the transmission. Which freaks him out as he's trying to teleport people there. He says, hey, stop for a minute. What? It's too late to stop the teleport device now. No, no, make it stop. There's something I need to check. As Bomb and his team arrive. It says, oh, it really wasn't Jinsung. The irregular? And we flash over to the Lopa Bia family ship. We get uh, over to comms, my lord. Part of the main army just went over to the nest. The irregular is secured in the teleport ship, and the ceiling will proceed soon. We get Lopa be a family leader, Trauma Ray, who says, All right, get ready. So, wow. Um, the proper noun game here is strong. I am going to have to juggle, like, juggling uh, all these character points. I don't, uh, I feel bad for uh, SIU, or CU, or however the heck you pronounce it. It's like, that's a lot to worry about uh, as a writer, and I completely understand making things way too complicated for yourself. So, uh, I'm having trouble remembering all these names, and I'm so glad I wrote down most of it <laughs> to help me remember some. But I'm looking forward to what lies in store for Bomb's infiltration team here. <clears throat> uh, definitely, I think Evan Kell might be overwhelmed by numbers on her side of things. 
but I'm looking forward to her fight with White Garment Widow. Uh, I definitely think that she's going to prove to be a fine match. Uh, for They're going to be a fine match for each other. But uh, I do believe that that's about it for this week. So thank you once again for tuning in. Uh, we are Starving Writers Guild. Uh, we are writers helping other writers to help publish their own works. Uh, you can find our works on StarvingWritersGuild.com. You can also find them on Amazon as well. We are MC Ashley, John, Alec, uh, excuse me, John Transylvania, and Barbara Page. Uh, please, if you feel inclined, to leave a five-star review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's one of those things to just really help us with the ratings to help find more people out there. Thank you all for continuing to listen. So until next time, see ya. <laughs>